Up in the night, your heart fills with dread Probably a murderer who wants you dead It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse It's hopeless, you're doomed, you'd call a priest if you could You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood I'm gonna kill you Hello and welcome to Freaky Friday Where we tell your odd but true stories Today is Friday, September 29th And this week The stories are all around The central theme of the episode we covered this week Jehovah's Witnesses We've received Countless Emails of of all kinds to do everybody justice we wanted to be able to get as many stories heard as possible so we have eight this week uh we we have even more we had to narrow it down we might even do another one next week who there's i'm telling you if you are a disfellowshipped jw or just someone who ghosted it or whatever a survivor of some sort there are so many of you and you all have almost word for word the same story about your childhood and just how horrible it was to grow up in something like this so all that to say the silver lining is there is a huge community of people out there that have gone through exactly what you're going through. And several of them listed uh, supportive places that they've found online. But if we can connect anybody anyway, we've heard great stuff about the subreddit, the XJW subreddit. There's a lot of Facebook groups for X members. So all that to say there is help and support out there for people that are going through what y'all have gone through. It's uh, it's been extremely eye-opening just how many people have gone through this specific type of trauma and abuse that only a cult can really inflict on someone. Most definitely. And that's the, the subreddits and, you know, us being able to share stories like this. I've, I, it, it gets me every time when people just say like, oh my gosh, I'm not crazy or, oh, I'm not alone or, oh, I'm not. There's such power in community and the isolation of this group is one of their most horrible tactics mm-hmm. is shunning isolation, uh, de- getting, you know, driving a wedge between family members. And so if there's a way to, you know, circumvent that, figure out, you know, how other families have dealt with that, or just if your family is, as we'll hear in some of these stories, so stuck in that, you know, they really do shun you kind of how to move on from that and how to grapple with it. So, so much power in all these stories. Thanks to everybody who's written them in and uh, everybody who's listened to the episode. Definitely. uh, We appreciate all the positive feedback we got. And there's two more. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And yes, to Heather's point, thank you so much for sending them in. And so many of you have said, like, I've never said this before, but if it can help others, or I heard such and such say something and it triggered this memory, or I went through the same thing. So there's absolutely power in telling your story. And it can be anonymous. Some people have said, I just wanted to write this in. You don't even have to read it, but it just makes me feel better having gotten it off my chest. And uh, I promise you someone is reading these 
I it's me and yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> I've been crying all day. Yeah, I was going to say both of us uh Paris walked in and just knelt next to me and was like, "What's going on?" and I said, "Oh, I was just reading the Freaky Friday submissions for this week." And he just sat and held my hand and said, "Do you want to tell me about them?" And I said, "No." You can listen to the episode. So to that extent, I can't do it twice. I had to, I'm re, you know, I read it. So I love that you constantly gatekeep information to make him listen to the episode. You're like, no, you can listen to the episode like everybody else. For First of all, every download counts. No, but also just my brain. I was like, I can't recount. Oh, no, 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 no. I got no, it. Yeah. Only once. So to that extent, I'll cry 100%. You're already crying. I'm trying not to. I'm telling you, I'm going to, I've had it. It's been a rough week. This You literally are in complete darkness. I only see <laughs> your face. You're in a darkened hole. <laughs> I'm in a darkened place, Heather, yeah, <laughs> to I be know. quite honest. And, but you know, I mean- I'm just reading these stories. So yeah. to have experienced it is, I mean, this isn't about me and Not or you yeah. and how, how it's made us feel, No, but uh, shining a light on what is considered a religion and a, and a well-accepted one by so many. And uh, it, so many members or former members have said, thank you for telling the truth about what this organization is because people just think, Oh, whatever. We're just weirdos that go door to door, but it's goes so much deeper than that. And it's just layers upon layers of corruption and abuse. So buckle up. Buckle we up. got eight stories to get <laughs> There's through. eight of them. Say <laughs> mascara alert. We are today doing what we, we uh, often describe as bearing witness to suffering. And that is everybody that wrote in. I want you to know, ironically, the word witness, but Right. You know, you're seen, and that's what this is for. So, mascara alert, you might, uh, <laughs> Paris, because are you okay? Your eyes are red. I was like, I've been crying, man. Dude. So, but you, you, it gives you, it makes you, definitely makes you look at the whole, when you drive past the Kingdom Hall, I drove past one Tuesday night about 920, and the whole entire parking lot is full. There's one right by my, walking distance to my house. Mm -hmm. The whole parking lot was full. And when you bear witness to the suffering and the truth of what happens, that full parking lot is a sick stomach, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or um, next time, maybe someone knocks at your door with kids or you see them, you know, on a street corner next to a cart with literature, you'll have a different outlook on what they are going through. Exactly. To that end, this episode contains discussions of child abuse, sexual abuse, and suicide. So we understand if you need to skip this one. Yeah, certainly. Or just get into the right headspace for it. Yeah. Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get freaky. <laughs> let's bear Sad? witness. Sad? How about let's that? Bear let's, let's bear witness. That's what we're about to do. Well, this first one is from Anonymous. A lot of these are. And the subject line is just the JWs. Hello. I just listened to your episode on the JWs after seeing it mentioned on the XJW subreddit. And I have to say you two did an amazing job. The clarity with which you both were able to see how horrible that organization is made me so unbelievably happy. I am what is termed a, quote, born in. Yes, fortunate enough to be raised in that bullshit. I was disfellowshipped at age 41 for, get this, looking at porn. Looked at it one time, felt bad about it, and told on myself like a dumbass. This is ironic because as a male within that organization or an elder, if you do something that is considered sinning and go before the elders, they'll likely get a pass on it if no one knows about it. 
It all has to do with perception. And of course, perception is about how you're viewed. And if no one knows, then it's not a problem. Judging by how well prepared your first episode was, I'm going to guess you have all downloaded the Shepherd the Flock Secret Elders Manual off of avoidjw.org. Within its pages outlines what someone can be disfellowshipped for and how elders can avoid such. Hearing the experiences you mentioned of my fellow humans that have gone through the same agony of shunning like I have was painful to hear. Having one's own family, your blood relatives, that once showed what was thought to be true love and affection, just turn that off because a man-made religion told them that's what God wants them to do. It's one of the most painful things I've had to go through, second only to losing my mother in death. What's worse is how the organization puts on this front that they don't shun when in fact they openly and strongly encourage their congregates to do that. It's infuriating. Just recently, within their weekly meetings, they emphasized how it's showing loyalty to Jehovah to shun any who are disfellowshipped. The hypocrisy that those who run that organization display is horrible. Being a person of color, it was eye-opening to see the bold statements they made in articles the general public doesn't know they wrote, much less active members. Ben Ford did a great video on this that I think you all will enjoy. My thoughts are all over the place at the moment because I'm so happy that they are finally being exposed for being more than just friendly faces that knock on your door or stand beside literature carts. Those same people will show conditional love at the drop of a hat, that hat being an announcement made from the platform saying that so-and-so is no longer one of Jehovah's Witnesses. And at that moment, the individual announced becomes dead to them all under the direction of nine guys in upstate New York who claim to be the mouthpiece of God. I hate that I've lost so many years to that organization, but I'm so very thankful that there are great, understanding, and wonderful humans that, like myself, have gone through the same thing and have been a huge source of help for me and others. My hope is that when people think of Jehovah's Witnesses, they don't immediately think of people that knock at your door or stand next to book carts. I hope they think of people that agree with an organization that doesn't see the hiding of child rapists within their midst as a problem. I hope they see that they agree with an organization that unapologetically printed horribly racist and misogynistic beliefs. And I hope they see people, mothers, fathers, sons, and daughters who will mentally bury their loved ones at the announcement that they no longer want to be one of them. Thank you, thank you, thank you for what you two amazing human beings are doing. And I'm so looking forward to hearing more from you. Well, this uh, thank you, Anonymous, and for every Anonymous, I know we joke they're my, they're, you're my daughters, but you're all my children. If you're Anonymous, I love you and you're my babies. Thank you for writing in. <laughs> um, but to start off with the looking at porn and telling on yourself, and that's what really gets me about the hypocrisy is because in more research, you do hear that elders that do stuff, as long as nobody beneath them knows about it, they just don't get in trouble. It's oh, like, yeah. oh, well, mm -hmm. nobody hears about it. So just seeing that kind of like, well, as long as it's cover upable, and that just extends all the way up. Or like they said, a um, just a, a man. This yeah. person is male. And, yeah. um, you know, I mean, you're treated differently if you go to your elders for something like watching porn, if you're if you're a woman, it sure. and then like they said, if you're a man or an elder, um, you're treated much differently, much much differently. As we talked about in the episode too, there's the whole concept of head male headship and 
women don't really have the same rights. I don't think that's a hot take. I don't think I'm saying anything that isn't true. I mean, women are not treated equal within this organization. No, and neither till, are children. No, and up until recently, literally the illustrations, and because they got called out on it, and they're like, "Well, now we look like idiots." But it would show the man like sitting in an easy chair, and the woman and daughter like collecting the plates off the table, like, "Yes, honey." Like it looks like the fifties, but it's all quite modern. And mm-hmm. to uh, thank you, anonymous, for sending this link to Ben Ford. It's F O A R D, who does XJW videos on YouTube, and watching this, he brings up the point that like you have the front facing JW.org website. Beneath that, you have their online library, which we've looked at for the show as well, that that's the front facing websites for worldly people that might get converted and or, you know, your everyday JW, you're supposed to look stuff up on there. That's your Google. You're not supposed to go look at the Internet. Then they have this online library, which, like we said in the first episode, has stuff that was printed. A 1981 article that I read today let me know that women's liberation causes cancer. I didn't know this oh, until well, today. That's uh, I'm going to have to change my signs when I march. Yeah, we've got some information to share with you today. But but what Ben Ford brings up and the um, article he brings up in his YouTube video is that, you know, it's it literally says uh, – anybody that's African-American or black has a lower intelligence. And so make sure you don't give them magazines because they might not get it and you don't want to waste a magazine on them. But the fact is that's then hidden beneath another layer that you have to log in at and you have to be a Bethel level member. But it's not that they've marked it and said, this is outdated. This is old. It's just like, well, don't tell everybody this. Yeah. Yeah. And like we said in the first episode, roughly 30% of JWs worldwide are black. Yeah. So you ha- you're part of an organization that has said in writing, you are less than. Yeah. You- they are othering you. They're saying you're not as smart, that you are, like they said, women's heads are born a different like size. It, so we can't be as smart. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they just make up complete fake science. It's. I mean, I can't even say it's science because I'm not going to besmirch the no. good name of science. They make up just uh, lies to further their misogynistic, racist, homophobic ideologies. Certainly. And then they tell the the followers, the adherents, you are not allowed to look at any other sources. Mm-hmm. And then in their videos, the there's governing body member videos going, now, if you're on an apostate website, they're going to try to lead you astray. So it's, again, this like closing, this control of the flow of information, controlling what people know. And uh, I'm really sorry, Anonymous, that you had to go through any of that, much less having to lose your family and, you know, people that allege that they love you, willing to turn on you for something that's man-made yeah and almost all of these have that same theme of your your family your friends your whole support group dropping you at the first inkling that you are someone that they don't think jehovah would be proud of and it's it's sickening how it's crushing i mean i think we said in the or maybe it was another freaky friday someone said that they're trying to get laws passed. So the practice of shunning is considered. Yeah. yeah. And it should be because I mean, it's might not be a physical form of abuse, but it is so mentally and emotionally abusive that leads so often to suicide as we'll see in this, that I, I don't know how it's legally allowed People go to jail for far lesser crimes than that. 
Right. And it's fascinating. I mean, the JWs argue that under the First Amendment, they have freedom of association and freedom to practice their religion. But that that is that comes at odds anytime that we have a harmful, dangerous, ongoing practices that what at what point does the government need to step in? I, I don't know that. I don't know that the way that the U.S. jurisprudence, like the First Amendment jurisprudence, would let it happen. And that's the real hard thing when you see an American religion exploiting kind of, I won't say the loophole, but kind of exploiting how free we are. But then when you see other countries taking steps to protect citizens from this, we start going, maybe we could do for a little bit more decisions on what is and isn't okay Mm -hmm. as far as claiming, uh, you know, God's protection and then abusing people um, under that same banner. At the very least, children. You know, if you're an adult and this is the choice you make for yourself, that's one thing. If you're born into this and it's just forced upon you, then that is another. Right. You're right. That'd be sort of familial alienation. You know, I wonder if that's there's some claim in there. If one parent leaves and the other doesn't or, you know, a family member leaves, do they have a right to see their grandmother, their aunt, whatever, you know, to. So the kid doesn't think, oh, well, Aunt Heather doesn't like me anymore because she's going to die in the Armageddon, Mm -hmm. too, by the way. She doesn't love you. But And one last thing on this one is the shunning is still active. I mean, there's current videos of them saying do it. But then publicly they go, well, we don't tell people to do that. That's their choice. But then in the videos they go, it's your choice. If you don't do it, Jehovah will no longer love you and you will die in Armageddon. But it's your choice. Yeah, it's total gaslighting. Bullshit. I mean, it's it, like any abuser being like, well, you can leave this relationship. Nobody's going to love you and you're going to die alone because I'm the only one that will put up with you. But if you want to leave, go ahead. Right. And I'll keep your kid. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sinisterhood will be right back. All right. Well, I've taken a Xanax to get through the rest of this. Got Next to. up. <laughs> We have one from Caitlin, and this is called Jehovah's Witness Show. Hey, ladies, I just finished your latest Freaky Friday on Spotify, and I'm thrilled to hear you are doing a show on the JWs. I was born into the cult, and my family was active until I was about 12 years old. My mom's parents were recruited in the 70s, but we were never the super hardcore witnesses. There is a stark change in family photos from that decade. My grandparents loved Christmas. They handmade yard decorations they put out every year. And then suddenly, no more family Christmas photos. My mom, sister, and I never celebrated holidays growing up either. It was very alienating to be that weird kid in class that couldn't have a birthday cupcake or say Merry Christmas. I didn't go trick-or-treating for the first time until I was 16. Let's skip all the usual cult bullshit, and I'll just give you some personal examples of the toxicity I witnessed and was unable to digest until I was older. Of course, you all know about their disdain for advanced education. The one thing that is absolutely violently tragic is the refusal of blood transfusions, and this, even at the young age of 10, was a personal deal breaker for me. My mom carried the, quote, no blood cards for the three of us. Her and my father were divorced when I was two, and he was not a witness. I asked her if she would let my sister or I die instead of giving us a blood transfusion, and she said, of course not. And I think this conversation helped get the ball rolling about what a dangerous situation we were in. Now as a nurse, I have seen people die because they refuse blood. They leave their children and family because of some bullshit line in a 2,000-year-old mistranslated novel. You also learn that non-JWs are the worldly, and we aren't to associate with them. So I never had any friends outside the Kingdom Hall, because they were all doomed anyway. 
That was also a very jarring realization to have as a young child. I absolutely could not reconcile that someone somewhere that had never heard of Jehovah was doomed. My grandpa had a neuromuscular disorder. I was always told it was MS growing up, but now being 39 and an RN for 15 years, I know that wasn't accurate. He lost the ability to walk shortly after I was born. He probably could have pursued treatment if he and my grandma hadn't bought into the dogma that once Armageddon happens, which according to the JWs is any day now, he would be resurrected into a new healthy body to live forever. We, my mom's sister and I, simply stopped going to the meetings after some drama, including infidelity and sexual abuse allegations, started popping up with families we were close to. Of course, we had some sisters and brothers pop up at our door for months trying to cajole us into returning, but we passed. Thankfully, my grandparents, I think due to their age and reliance on my mom's assistance, did not disassociate or shun us. And finally, my Uncle David, my mom's oldest brother, was also a JW. He was devout and had a tight-knit church family. Dave also had paranoid schizophrenia and depression. Now, he never shunned us either. We were actually a very close family. We all had family dinner at the grandparents' house every Sunday after meeting. Dave went to his kingdom hall, and my grandparents listened to the meeting over the phone because it was too hard on my grandpa to leave the house. Back to Dave, he was eventually made an elder of the congregation and supposedly very respected and loved. He also struggled daily with his mental health and one day chose to end his life. His body was found by another brother when he came to pick Dave up for Kingdom Hall. When Dave didn't come to the door, he had a spare key and entered his apartment. Now, Dave left a suicide note. We were told this by the brother that found him. This brother kept the note and refused to let us, his fucking family, read it. Fine, whatever. We probably didn't need to read the ramblings of someone completely lost in his psychoses. We went to the congregation and asked if we could have Dave's memorial there so he could be close to everyone he loved one last time. Of course, they refused because Jehovah doesn't condone suicide and they weren't going to be associated with that. Okay, whatever. How about we have a memorial at his favorite park and his friends can meet us there? Nope. See the above. They fucking shunned him after his suicide. Fuck Jehovah's Witnesses. Thank you for covering them and their ridiculous, toxic, deadly practices. Keep it creepy, Caitlin. Oh, Caitlin, I'm so sorry. That is, to have your parents sucked in and then your mom and then to have somebody in your family that struggles with severe mental illness and this is not a uncommon thing that people with significant mental illness is supposed to pray it away, Jehovah will heal them things like that. And it's like, that is, uh, in practice, completely uh, horseshit, as you can yeah. see. I mean, it just does not work. No. And they're um, discouraged from seeking, you know, medical help, mental going health to doctors, seeking counseling. So if you're struggling with paranoid schizophrenia and depression every day, and it's un going untreated, and your only means to that is um, community and praying, I mean, Thoughts and prayers, uh, I can tell you right now, I mean, they don't get us anywhere. We wouldn't have the current problems we do in mm -hmm. the United States with so many things. So this is just another example of I someone that could have been saved had their had they been supported by those that were closest to them. Yeah, logically supported and not doctrinally mm -hmm. stuck in this 
you know, it was written in the 1950s. It's kind of like fake made up translation of the Bible. And also in frequently in instances where there are delusions and a person who is particularly religious, we delved a little bit into this when we did the Pope's exorcist and people kind of having this belief or whatever that if you don't also get psychiatric treatment alongside whatever spiritual treatment you want, oftentimes that spirituality seeps in and makes those delusions worse. And suddenly, oh, well, the the JWs, whatever, the Watchtower Society told me that Satan is going to try to talk to me. Mm-hmm. And now he's talking to me and he's talking to me and he's telling me to run this car into a crowd of people. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And so you can't say, oh, well, we'll just pray or it away. Or he's telling we'll me to it. take my own life. To hurt myself. Yeah, I hurt mm-hmm. myself. Unfortunately... Uh, you, Caitlin, are absolutely not alone in the no. online anecdotal uh, cases we've read. And, you know, there's people that were disfellowshipped for seeking mental health treatment to help themselves. And what a choice you have to make that you want to take care of your own mental health and help yourself, but then you get disconnected completely from your family. Yeah. I I mean, it might be easy as an outsider to say this, but I would encourage everyone Always choose yourself over anyone else or any other organization. And if they aren't trying to help you get better, then they are not someone that sincerely cares about you and has your best interest at heart. And by getting better, I mean medically getting better. Yeah. Clinically, finding an expert, yes, that will help. And And then to see exactly what, to put a point on what you said, you devote you've devoted your whole entire life to this, and when it you succumb to this illness that they, in fact, I would say, perpetuated through saying mm-hmm. don't get help, and then to one final indignity of we don't well he's not really all that work he put in actually doesn't matter because you know Jehovah doesn't like suicide so he's he's gone to us we don't yeah. we don't ever gonna say his name again like just the extra indignity on top of that I'm sorry your family had to go through that Caitlin yeah and like you said you devote your whole life to it and. Um, then your life is in vain because what did you devote it to if in the end they were going to turn their back on you when you needed the most and then they don't even honor you in your death. It's It's despicable. Well, speaking of despicable, this is from Leah and it is called, I almost died because of JWs. In the early 1980s, my parents entered into the JWs as newlyweds. They both grew up in strict Catholic households. Now they wanted to find their own religion and community to raise their young family in. JWs seemed to draw in families with the hopes of connection, morals, and family values. Little did they know they were entering a cult driven by fear and shame. I spent my elementary school years as an outsider. I wasn't allowed to celebrate birthdays, holidays, or play sports. As a parent now myself, it breaks my heart to think of bright, joyful little me sitting outside in the hallway while my classroom sang happy birthday to a classmate or created Valentine's boxes. I wasn't allowed something as simple as coloring a holiday coloring sheet, or I would die in Armageddon alone while the rest of my family, quote, lived happily ever after in a paradise on earth. Each morning while the entire class stood for the Pledge of Allegiance, I had to sit down, looking down at my hands in my lap, melting with shame, while 25 pairs of inquisitive eyes burned holes into me, year after year, grade after grade. On it went, no sports, no parties, no Christmases with extended family, no dating. I never fully understood why. Because my dad said so. Because the Bible said so. 
I wasn't allowed to question it, ever. It wasn't until I turned nine years old, this foundation of blind faith I'd been born into began to crumble. One day, I started to get sick, a flu feeling that didn't let up after 48 hours. The malaise dragged on unbearably for several days. I missed school. My parents meant well, but we were poor and we didn't have health insurance. They did not take me to the doctor. They distrusted medical doctors, and I feel JWs were a lot to blame. My dad yelled at me, thinking I was just being, quote, lazy, but I was too sick to even get out of bed. I had so much abdominal pain and no strength to walk. One afternoon, I collapsed in the bathroom unresponsive, and thankfully, they finally took me to the ER. In the hospital, they found I was in hemolytic crisis. I was anemic, and my hemoglobin and blood cell count was severely low. After many tests, they found it was a rare blood disorder causing my spleen to stop functioning properly. My blood cells had become misshapen. They were breaking down quickly and getting caught in my spleen. I would need a splenectomy, and I now had such a dangerously low red blood cell supply that it would require multiple infrequent blood transfusions to replenish. But here's the kicker. It is against the religion to take blood of another for themselves or their children, even when life is endangered. JWs believe that a human must not sustain their life with another's blood. It is their deep-seated religious conviction that Jehovah will turn his back on anyone who receives blood transfusions. JWs refuse transfusions because they believe the procedure creates a risk of losing eternal salvation. When the topic of blood came up, Suddenly, my small hospital room was overrun with JW elders and congregation members. They pushed my parents to protest the hospital's diagnosis and demanded a different treatment. They butted heads with the doctors and did not allow them to do the necessary work to save my life. I was slipping in and out of consciousness. My life was in danger. The doctors said if I didn't get the proper surgery and blood transfusions, my blood cell count would get so low I would die. One night, I was steadily losing blood. I had no strength. I was blacking out. My heart rate was slowing. I watched my body from above, surrounded by the JW elders. I was near death, ready to let go. I was having a near-death experience. I dreamed I saw flowers on the other side of the mirror in the room, and I felt pulled to them. But all of a sudden, the stream ended. Sunshine burst into my dark hospital room. Morning came and a team of doctors and security guards came into my room with an order for protection and wheeled me out. The motherfucking motherfucking state of Minnesota saved my life. A judge signed an order and gave custody of me to the state, and they kicked out all of the JWs and my parents that had just sat by and let this happen. The doctors worked quickly to save my life, and I live and thrive today, able to tell this tale because of that. I am so grateful. Want to know what's fucked up? Six months later, this rare genetic disorder would rear its ugly head in my little brother, and every step would replay. And they didn't learn a fucking thing. My parents and the JW elders would refuse to take life-saving blood to save him. So again, the state of Minnesota came in clutch to save his life when these people failed him. My parents were seen as heroes that stood up to the devil and were applauded in the JW community, but I never looked at them the same again. I would never look at any religious leader the same again. I had lost my trust in people. I learned many times over the years just how much the people you thought would protect you would let you down. I faded from the religion and my dad a few short years later.
As a mother of a nine-year-old daughter now myself, I cannot even fathom this. It is my sole purpose to care for and protect my children, regardless of what some religion tells you. I just don't get it. I will never fully understand my parents. It has been hard to forgive them. This is the first time I have ever shared this story with anyone. I've kept it buried because I find it so horrific. It's almost unbelievable. When I found out about your JW episode, I knew that it was important to share the truth. Thank you for everything you do. You're the best big sisters I never had. XO, Leah. Well, that this, this is what is heart-wrenching to me is, like you said earlier, if you're an adult and you want to participate in something like this, and you want to say, a surgeon DM'd us earlier and said, this still comes up in my practice. I've been practicing 12 years. We weekly, they they perform amputations. They said weekly, this we've discussed it. It's a case. It might be a case, whatever. Adults, you know, and if you mm-hmm. speak to the adult beforehand and say, I understand this is your religious belief. These are the precautions we can take. But if it comes down to you die or you get blood, you're telling me you want die. And they say, yes, please. I got no problem with that. Everybody, I have... Full faith, and I'm not faith, I have full support for anybody who gets to choose their own treatment. What I have a problem with is when children who are innocent, who didn't sign up for this, they didn't sign up for Armageddon, they didn't get, they didn't get sucked into some religion. They had the bad luck of being born to a parent who did get sucked into a religion. And when we see other kids who had the bad luck of being born to a parent who has a substance use issue so bad they can't take care of the child, a mental health problem they have such so they can't take care of the child, uh, just anger issues they can't, or whatever. The state steps in. So I'm very glad that the state of Minnesota steps in. Mm -hmm. And what I really get grinds my gears about the Watchtower organization and particularly this issue of child blood transfusions is that the Watchtower organization, you know, through the governing body are a bunch of fucking idiots because they're just like, well, you can't take blood. You cannot take blood. If you take blood, you'll die in Armageddon. But if it's a court order, it's fine. And it wasn't really you and it's okay. Or yeah, you yeah, cannot yeah, take yeah. blood. You cannot take blood. And unless nobody in the church finds out, then it's fine and just don't tell them. Sure. If it benefits them in some way, then, you know, it's a don't ask, don't tell type of situation. Yeah. The fact that this rare disorder happened to both you and your brother twice, and they saw that the state had no problem coming in and doing this, and yet they still made the same decision. That's a level of indoctrination and brainwashing you just can't reason with. No, you can't reason with. To your point of it's been very hard to forgive your parents. Oh, man, would it ever be? And could you ever? I mean, that's something you talk to your therapist about because. Certainly. I mean, and then you sit there and watch your brother go through the same thing. It's powerless. It's heartbreaking and so fucking heartbreaking the way. Leah, you describe just the isolation you feel in elementary and middle school. Those years are already so fucking difficult. So hard. Even if you're, you, you know, with without any extra added stuff. But to sit there and have to just stare at your lap, you're burning with shame while everyone just looks at you. And because they, it's just different to them. They don't understand. Yeah. Then you got to go sit in the hall while everyone's having fun. And yeah. you're just so isolated. I mean- What a sad fucking existence for a child to grow up in. And if you are a parent and you're a JW and you have a kid, if you force them to go through this, 
you're a fucking monster. And to me, it's, it's no different than any other type of abuse and your kids should be taken away from you. I mean, yeah, Leah, I want to say to you, for you and for your brother to, as a validation, you've been abused. That's an abusive thing that your parents did. They did it under the guise of, you know, they got sold a bill of goods or whatever, but it, that is like Christy said, something to talk about with a therapist because it is, but I want you to know you're valid. What they did was not, well, they were doing their, but I mean, it's hard because they were so rewarded for the behavior too. Mm -hmm. To hear that the whole congregation descends on you and viewing your parents separate from you as the relationship and that it is a human man and a human woman and they're just their own individuals and what a good feeling it feels to be told that you have fought the devil and won. So that's something that is really hard to reconcile of like, I was dying and that's what you chose. Yeah. That's what you chose. They think maybe they thought they were saving her from the Armageddon or whatever. But it's there's something that still gets you, sucks you in and gets you, keeps coming back because of that. You guys are so faithful. And then when it happens to the second kid, they did it twice. They're amazing. Well, that's the the stupid part of this is they didn't do shit. Your kid's alive because they got the medical treatment they yeah. needed because the state stepped in. It's not as if you stood up to the devil and miraculously they were cured overnight. No. So it just shows that Jehovah is, you know, I mean, it doesn't even, the logic there doesn't even make sense. It, it's, it, your child would have died had mm-hmm. you, had the state not stepped in. And then are you, is that praise still going to hit the same when you're burying your kid? How are you going to feel about that? You're like, well, at least they're going to go be an, you know, survive Armageddon. But you're right. That's what I don't get, too, is that in some of these cases that have been in the news where a child is, you know, at risk of death and then the state or steps in. I think it was a U.K. case in the last five years or so. And the parent said to the judge, oh, well, we don't oppose this. You know, it was a court order to get the tra- the medical treatment. And the the parent said, well, we don't oppose this. And uh, you just have to understand what a tough position we're in. We're going to say no, but if you want to overrule us and do it, that's fine. So they had to go through this whole protracted court proceeding to get to the literal same result. Yeah. So I'm like, that doesn't count. So then it doesn't count. Either you can have it or you can't have it. Mm-hmm. Where's the, where did the, but well, we changed our mind and maybe if it's a court order, then technically it doesn't count. It just is or it isn't. And the, it's just a hypocrisy. Well, they don't want, the, yeah, they don't want it on their hands. They want to be able to wash their hands of what they consider a sin and instead have it be someone else's problem, yet still reap the benefits of yeah. the, the kid not dying. So you can't have all that. You got to yeah. pick a lane, dipshit. No. Yeah. And hopefully you pick the lane that is getting your kid. The, whatever treatment they need and also allowing them to have a childhood you get one and uh it's fleeting and yeah. it, it's to think of all i mean every single literally i think every single email has talked about how uh isolated and lonely they felt as a child mm-hmm. and having kids looking at them and thinking of them feeling like that it it breaks my heart. Yeah. I, and I hope that every, uh, we have a friend that um, is an XJW and didn't get to celebrate his birthday for years and years. And he is now married to a wonderful woman. And when they first started dating, the first thing she did was throw him a huge birthday party. And it was like his first birthday party, uh-huh. you know, and it was because, and it was such a big deal. And he was in his 30s when that happened. 
Yeah. And it's something, but it's an emotional missing piece. And like, you know, Leah said, like having a kid and you think of your inner child and you, you, there's something to be said about nurturing that inner child when you Mm -hmm. finally have the ability to do so, because we all have to do that in general, but especially when you had your childhood robbed from you essentially. And that's what these kids that grow up in this do. Their, their childhood is stolen from them. It's Mm -hmm. stolen from them. 100%. Sinisterhood will be right back. Well, that leads nicely into this next one, or not so nicely. This is from Carla, and it's called Jehovah's Witness and Friends Suicide. Hi, guys. I've been listening to the stories of Jehovah's Witnesses and thinking about my childhood friend, Amber. It's a sad story, but I thought I'd share in the interest of remembering her and possibly helping others. I had a childhood friend, Amber, who lived in the same rural neighborhood just down the street. We'd ride bikes and play in the woods, typical rural kid fun, and rode the bus to school together. There was just one thing different about her. I would always invite her to my birthday parties, and she would never come. I asked my mom why not, and she told me that her family was Jehovah's Witnesses, and they did not celebrate anything. Not Christmas, even though they are technically Christian. Not birthdays, literally no celebrations of any kind are allowed. The reason why that was explained to me is that they believe Jesus didn't celebrate anything, and so neither would they. Now, this always baffled me because I grew up Catholic, also a cult in my opinion, and if you know anything about Catholics, it seems like everything is a reason for celebration. Also, my little kid mind could not wrap itself around the idea that a kid didn't get to celebrate their birthday, or Christmas, or Halloween, or ever get any presents. Anyway, we remained friends until she disappeared from school when we were middle school age. I have no idea what happened to her, although she did still live down the street, but we grew apart and I never saw her anymore. Until one summer, home from college, I saw her working at a local store. We exchanged pleasantries and that was it. A year or so later, I got word that Amber had completed suicide not long after I saw her. I remember the rumor was that she was abused as a child and that apparently, That is sadly common in the JW community. I think of Amber often, and am saddened to think about what her life must have been like as a child. I hope at least the fun we had together provided a little brightness in her days. I'm glad to hear you guys are bringing awareness to this, quote, religion. Now do Catholicism next. Thanks for making my days as a work-from-home mom of a toddler bearable. You guys are the best. Peace, Carla. Well, I'm sure you did give her brightness, Carla, and somebody to play with and some, you know, connection. Cause like we just said, so many of them are so isolated that, you know, just being a friend to a kid like that. But I would imagine if she disappeared from school around middle age and the rumor was that there was abuse, there might be some correlation of mm-hmm. not want to go to school anymore or whatever. Or not being allowed to go to school not anymore. Not being allowed to go to school. It's just, mm-hmm. it's such a sad thing when you do hear that people are so abused by this religion and then, die by suicide it's such a because it's such a sad ending to a tale it was preventable it seems yeah you always hope that there's some way to get out there's hope like Mm -hmm. there's always hope but when you're in a group that says there isn't hope that if you leave this there's nothing there's no family there's no friends there's no eternity there's no nothing you really do think it's either this or the alternative which that is never the answer Mm mm-hmm so I'm, I've, I've, Carla, you did, you did good. You, you were a friend to her and she'll remember, I'm sure she remembered Oh, for it. sure. And I wanted to include this one because 
we received a lot of similar emails like this of uh, your episode made you remember that I had a friend that grew up in there, all the very same stories of they weren't allowed to come to sleepovers. And, you know, we all, we wanted to wish them happy birthday and we weren't allowed to. And just such a life of isolation and isolation can lead to secrets and all sorts of stuff that goes on behind closed doors. And then there's not an outlet for them to talk to because yeah. they're isolated from anybody that's worldly and anyone at the uh, kingdom hall is just going to cover it up. Yeah. Or say, you know, Oh, you got a problem. Well, here's a watchtower magazine. Look mm-hmm. up the answer. Or uh, deal with it within your own family, which oftentimes the abuser is in the family. Exactly. Yeah. There's that's the, the answer is always turned back to internal. And when the abuse is coming from inside, that's not a help at all. Well, this next one is from Mariah and the subject line is Jehovah's witness victim. Hi ladies. Thank you for what you do. Like many others say, it's comforting to know that we have a community that understands. Backstory. I'm the oldest of three girls. At the time of this, I was 13, and my sisters were 9 and 3. Our mother has always been the worst. My nanny, mom's mom, primarily raised us until she passed in 2002. Mother literally lived across the road from nanny, yet that's where we were sent, day in and day out. Mother is a narcissistic party girl, even now at 62. She married an alcoholic that was physically and mentally abusive, and they both financially abused one another. This gives her the pity on me and my life excuse to blame others for her poor choices. With that, I'm sure you can guess that the neglect, physical, and sexual abuse of us girls weren't a subject she would listen to or believe. Everyone we knew had parents like ours. We all thought this is how everyone's families and lives were. Now, the premise of the story. In 2000, a Jehovah's Witness came to our mom's door. Surprise! It was mom's old party girlfriend, Kathy. Kathy reformed and found Jehovah. She'd given up her worldly ways and was going to be one of the 144,000 that go to the kingdom of heaven. As part of the JWs, you go house to house with Lighthouse Publications, JWs newsletters of faith. They preach the kingdom good news in all the earth and make disciples of people of all the nations. JWs have many sex offenders. They believe after you're baptized, you're forever changed. Well, we all know that isn't true. Being the narcissist mom is, she had to do it. She had to have superiority. In her words, I want to be somebody. This changed our lives even more for the worse. When Nanny passed in 2002, Kathy told mom not to let us say goodbye at the hospital. She didn't want my mom to have a funeral for Nanny, saying, it's just her shell. Thankfully, my only uncle did have the funeral and made sure we were there. Kathy was furious. After that ordeal, Kathy became the leader of my family. Mom gave her full control over us girls. Take us wherever she felt, stay at her house, and follow the rules. She made us go to the Kingdom Hall and conferences with her. She made my sisters and I go to random people's homes to preach. She told us we weren't allowed to wear pants, speak without being spoken to, and we were told to always listen to the elders. We really didn't know our mom, but I knew I couldn't trust her or these church people. I knew I had to be rebellious. I finally stood my ground after two sisters, 17 and 18, told me they were both pregnant by a married elder. By elder, he was over 60. He led meetings at the hall. He had meetings in his home and one-on-one sessions to help deepen the faith. 
We've all come to know this as grooming. Why couldn't mom see that? I finally flat out refused to go. I threatened to physically fight her and run away with my sisters. This just led to more drama between my mom and step guy and myself. Oh, and Kathy, who told my parents I needed to go and stay with her to learn manners. I'd love to tell you that things became great, but it just got really bad. We stopped going to the Hall of Cults, but the neglect and abuse ramped up to 100. Many times we had no gas, electricity, water, food, or clothes for school. Child Protective Services came and left us there. It was hell. That was 7th to ninth grade. Next time I write in, I can tell you about 10th grade to freshman year of college. Our family was approved for exchange students. It's a program that places kids in shitty homes like the foster care system. Vet the people. Mother internationally traveled to help one student, and she tried pimping me out to marry one for papers. One day I'll write a book of all the misadventures that led me to where I am now. All three of us are now safe. We're all healthy. We're all alive. And we all are victims, and we are survivors. Thank you for sharing our heartbreaking moments and giving others strength. If I can stand up and rebel, we all can. P.S. I'd love 50 grand, but I'd wrap M&M's Lose Yourself on stage with them for free. If you had one shot, one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted in one moment, would you capture it or just let it slip? I took it and got out of hell. Well, there's our first 50 grand. Ding, ding, ding. We did it. (laughs) Um... But yeah, wow. But that's, this is common because uh, the surgeon I had been talking to said, you know, some patients that are isolated, sometimes these door-to-door people become their only, you know, connection to the world. So for Mariah's mom, it's like, I need childcare. I need someone to get me out. I need, you know, assistance with this lifestyle I'm at. And the sad thing is, is they're just falling into something else that's worse. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, I think, I mean... People that are in vulnerable states are constantly searching for something. We've seen that a lot of times they're uh, prime pickings for for cults because they do want to be somebody. They want to feel like they're making something. Sadly, they can't see the forest for the trees and don't realize that they are getting themselves and their children into a terribly abusive situation. And Mariah, I'm so sorry that you and your sisters, you're tales of abuse went unheard and that you had to um, kind of become a mom to them to protect them. We talked in the quiverful movement episodes about that parentification and how that's another way of robbing a child of their childhood is you're put in a position where you have to be the parent to your younger siblings um, when you're not equipped to handle that. Of course not. You're a child yourself. So I'm I'm so sorry. I'm so glad that um, you're out now and you are definitely victims. You're also survivors and your story is going to help um, help so many others. Most definitely. Like you, that, the idea of having to be a teenager and say, and the alarm bells in your head going off going, we are in danger and there are no adults are saying anything. The amount of pressure that that puts on oh, you. Yeah. And I'm sorry, Mariah, you had to go through that. But thank you for sharing and thank you for rebelling. And hopefully other people feel like they can rebel too. Like you said, you can t- just get inspired by that Eminem. <laughs> that, I mean, it truly, it's fine. It's like silly, but it's also like those things. Sometimes we need those words. We need those you can do it kind of words. And mm-hmm. if it comes from... Eminem or one of your fellow XJWs, you can. Oh, you can for do sure. It. Yeah. Well, and like you said, you you're young and you know you're in trouble, but the adults 
are the ones that are impregnating these 17 and 18 year old girls. They're 60 yeah. and married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's uh, a lot of cases of that. And it's all fucking covered up. It's all yeah, covered I'm- up. You think that elder got disfellowshipped? No. Nah. He was probably praised. Probably doesn't. Even, nobody even knows. Now he's probably got two kids by a couple teenagers. Yeah, he probably got moved to a different kingdom hall and is in charge of something. Probably uh, going around door to door with kids. Yeah. From what we've seen, that seems to be what they do. They just move you to a new place. It's no big deal. Yeah, I apologize for straight up yelling in the mic just then. <laughs> well, this is the kind of thing that, like, you and I have both been like, oh, I'm going to punch something. I'm yeah, 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 yeah. Bad. I'm going to find a, a rage room still a thing. Do we <laughs> yeah. have those locally? You're out of rage room. I'm about to turn my garage into one and just start <laughs> punching walls. Uh, truly, though. Well, thank you, Mariah, for sharing that with us. Sinisterhood will be right back. This next one's from Anonymous, and the subject line is Jehovah's Witness in Ireland. Hi, girls. Thanks so much for highlighting what so many have been going through in silence. Your empathy, compassion, and respect for victims of crimes and cults is one of the reasons I listen in every week. That and your humor, impeccable research, and relatable bowel issues. Anyway, I'm a former JW in Ireland. The core beliefs and traditions are the same worldwide, but every country has different attitudes to various aspects. Many here are first- or second-generation converts who would have grown up believing mostly Catholic teachings about heaven and hell, for instance. Once they became JWs, they followed every rule and principle with equal fervor. The rest are made up of UK JWs that come over thinking they're converting the savage masses and making sure the lax Irish congregations are all behaving themselves, following the rules properly. Considering the issues between the two countries, this goes down about as well as you'd think. There's so many things I could talk about that would be so bizarre to most people, but were so normal to someone who grew up knowing nothing else. I'll share one example that now I find kind of funny and embarrassing, but at the time felt like a life and death decision. My fellow XJW friend has insisted it be this story as we've laughed about the absurdity of it several times. The JWs release tons of literature every year but some things are specifically used within the organization for education and training purposes. One of these is the Young People Ask book. From a fairly young age, we studied this with our parents on family study nights. Every family is different, but this wasn't optional in ours. The book taught us how to deal with any potential threat to our faith and the proper way to conduct ourselves as JWs. It covered everything from peer pressure in school to attending parties or spending time with worldly people to whether or not we should attend higher education. Not was the only acceptable option here. We were taught, essentially, from a very young age, never to stray from JW teachings, or we would put our relationship with Big J at risk. Thanks to this book, we were taught from a very young age that any kind of self-exploration was strictly prohibited, especially sexually. Sex and masturbation were absolutely off-limits, and sex was only allowed within marriage. Even looking at someone with any kind of lustful thoughts was frowned upon as, according to JW Publications, it quite often led to vaguely, terribly wonderful sexual situations that would cost us our relationship with God and therefore our life or hope for everlasting life in the new system, to be precise. This led to thousands of very sexually repressed young people who felt shame over every normal, healthy desire they had. Most ended up marrying far too young, 
just to get laid, only to be stuck in a marriage they didn't want with someone they didn't particularly like for the rest of their potentially endless lives. Divorce is also against the rules, unless a spouse cheats, abuses the other, or does not provide for the family financially or spiritually. Even then, the spouse not at fault would still be encouraged by the congregation elders to forgive the other, even in cases of abuse. One big issue for the organization as a whole was how easily available porn became. This led to people being disfellowshipped for watching porn and many talks and articles about the dangers of porn. Sorry if this is long-winded, but I need to give a little context as to why my situation screwed me up so much. As a teen, I was pretty normally curious, but because of the previously stated reasons, this led to feelings of shame and disgust about myself that took years to heal. As I got older, the shame only got worse. I felt dirty and tainted, like I had no right to a relationship with God, and that if people knew the truth about me, I'd never get over the shame and humiliation. Due to past events, I already had severe anxiety and depression, and at this time in my life, it was mostly going untreated. I told myself I had no right to any kind of joy or happiness when I was hiding such a disgusting secret. It affected my mental health so much, I was constantly debating suicide. In my early 20s, there was a talk at one of the conventions about how much guilt can weigh you down and how freeing it is to confess to your elders, kind, understanding men who won't judge, blah, blah, blah. Basically, if you confess, repent, and accept the advice of your congregation elders, all the guilt goes away and you're back in Big J's good books. That was all I needed to hear, suicide having been my only option to date. At least to my mentally ill state, it seemed to be a good idea. The minute I got home from that convention, I contacted the elders I trusted most and asked for a visit. I wasn't told who would be visiting, but the last two people I needed to talk to about my crippling shame turned up at my door a few days later. My best friend's dad, whose house had been my second home throughout my teens, and with him, her new husband. I had decided to do this no matter what, so I invited them in, made us all a cuppa, and sat down to tell them my dirtiest secrets. Remember, I was in my early 20s, having been very sheltered my entire life, and now sat in a room with two men in their 50s, bearing my soul. It was excruciatingly humiliating and makes me so angry to think about now that I know better. They asked about how often I watched porn, and even what kind. At one point, my BFF's dad asked me, Did you masturbate while watching the porn? I was confused because I wasn't exactly watching it for the plot, and replied, Yes, of course. Even the other elder looked a little confused and embarrassed at the question, and they quickly moved on. I still laugh about that bit, messed up as the situation was. His question really threw me at the time. I've told friends the story, and they now randomly ask if I masturbate while watching the porn. Anyway, they thanked me for my honesty, prayed for my spiritual well-being, and kindly pissed off. I felt so relieved, like now, finally, my prayers would be listened to, my ministry would be more effective, and I wouldn't feel too ashamed to be in the kingdom hall with my spiritual brothers and sisters. It took a few more years for me to wake up and leave, but almost a decade later, I'm finally free, living a life I choose, and despite its ups and downs, truly, finally, enjoy. I have true friends who love me for who I am and never let me feel alone in life. It cost me almost everything, including my family and many friends, 
but I hope one day that they see the light and find a way out, though I understand how difficult that is. I'm also expecting my first child and can't wait to unconditionally love and support them, to give them the opportunities in life I never had because my parents refused me even the most basic childhood. Thanks for reading this, and also thanks to everyone who wrote in their experiences. They gave me the courage to share mine, and I hope with all my heart they're finally living true to themselves. And if not, then I hope they find their way out and get to live a life of their own choosing. It's absolutely worth it. For more info, check out jwfacts.com, ABC Australia's Doc Bearing Witness, and a guy on YouTube called Fallen Towers who talks about his journey as an elder who made the choice to leave. The elders also have a handbook called Shepherd the Flock of God, an interesting and troubling read, especially in the sections dealing with abuse. Thanks again for reading this. Give me Armageddon before I sit across from my best friend's father and husband to talk about masturbation and porn. Did you masturbate while watching the porn? No, I took notes. I just I um I just made a cup of tea and I just watched it for the plot mainly. Just like what kind of what's the name of the porn? Where did you see it? Do you mm-hmm. have a link you can share for research purposes only? Why? I mean, they know who they're sending out. So they know they're sending this girl's best friend's father and husband who I'm going to assume is uh, significantly older if the best friend is around the same age, that early twenties. Is there a thirty-year age gap, or you are best? Because I have friends who are in their sixties. Yeah, could and be 70s, either. So it could be an older friend. Could be either. So, but if you're both in your twenties and the husband's in his fifties, and yes. either way, imagine then you're like, oh, okay. Well, here's everything. So I'll see you um, tomorrow night for dinner. It, I. How would you ever look them in the eyes again? It's such a power and control move to be like oh you're gonna have to tell us all of this and now we know and you know that they know and so that's all they're thinking about anytime they see you from then on out even if they're not they are you like subconscious yeah. whatever the title was too like they're gonna remember it unless you didn't have like an actual i'm envisioning like buffy the butt slayer or something like you know like where there's like a silly name to it but no matter what even if it you just sort of said i don't know just people having sex whatever it doesn't matter the fact that they asked that and you they now know that it's like you can't unknow certain things about people oh oh, i can't imagine i can't no and you're i mean i think this and um the very first one we read that both you know involved like natural feelings of your own sexuality urges that are everybody's got for the most part you know and uh you're it's natural to want to explore that and you're shamed for that and that does lead to so many people repressing their sexuality which leads to self-harm and suicide or like they said you just want to get married so you can get laid well Okay, now you got laid. It wasn't everything you thought it was going to be. You're 20 years old and you're stuck with somebody you don't even particularly like yeah. for apparently forever because you can't divorce. Right? Or you, well, you can if they're abusive, but you should give them another chance. But and also, realize, even if they're abusive, let's domestic give them another violence shot. Yes, it's an issue. Because oh, you got very me- much. 
It's huge because again, it's like, well, brother Jim didn't mean that. You know, he was probably just having a bad day. It's like, no. Well, also, it's the male headship. If the male's in charge, then, you know, I mean, well, were you listening? Did you, you know, I mean, he's in charge. If, I mean, if, if the, if you're, they're allowed to beat their kids, if they're yep. allowed to spank them, I mean, what's the difference it, in then? Okay. Well, it's also okay to hit your wife. It's despicable. And yes, we will be talking about this shepherd, the flock of God in the oh, next yeah, episode. We've had many people mention that and yeah, troubling read is a good way to put it. Yeah, just a couple chapters into the 290 pages, and it was the updated Mar- May 2023 version of it, and uh, I was shouting. Paris goes, what? And I go, ah, they said they don't need lawyers in Armageddon, but they do now a time. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? Who wrote this? Yeah. So, yeah, it is uh, maddening, but also interesting. It, there's these, like, secret documents that tells you mm-hmm. what to do and how to treat people. But this whole dad and brother, or sorry, dad and best friend's husband showing up, oh I my. feel that that was not an accident. I think no. they did it on purpose. It seems like an extra layer of shame and punishment that they were inflicting upon her. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for sharing that with us. Anonymous. This next one is from Cindy, and the subject line is the sad, sad unicorn. I was raised JW, J-Dub, by parents that weren't particularly strong in the faith until I stepped away about 25 years ago. Now, they're in it to win it. My freaky experience is really not mine, but the young girls, let's call her Kelly, that the elders assigned to teach me their ways. We were covering a section on demons, and Kelly told me I needed to get rid of anything and everything that was mythological because it could be possessed by demons. I collected unicorns as a young girl, and I had quite a lot of them especially My Little Pony Unicorns and Pegasus. I used to send off for them in the mail. It was one of my great joys of childhood. Kelly told me I needed to get rid of all of them. I was devastated. When I resisted, she told me her story to scare the shit out of me and submit. Kelly told me she had received some dolls from Mexico, and in the middle of the night, she swore she saw their eyes glow red. Kelly told her mom and dad, and they put the dolls on the barbecue and lit them on fire. Kelly said the dolls screamed and screamed as they went up in flames. Well, her story worked, and sadly, I got rid of all my unicorns. I picked a few of my favorite My Little Ponies and performed surgery on them to remove their horns and wings, and I put band-aids, bandages, or clothes over the holes left in the plastic. I still have a few of them to this day. So tragic. Looking at this story now, I have no idea how my unicorns and her dolls were in any way the same. I also don't understand why any mythological creature would be more easily possessed than a doll, but that's my crazy story. Keep it creepy, Cindy. P.S. I also just remember she taught me if I was ever scared to say the name Jehovah over and over again to scare off the demons. Well, that was it for me. Whenever I was alone, I was scared to death of demons and would just mutter Jehovah incessantly like a broken record. I never was scared or worried until after she literally put the fear of God or the demons in me. Heartbreaking. What a heartbreaking, sad image to think of just this little girl taking her little toys apart because she's worried she's going to go to hell if if she has these. She'll... And it, yeah. uh, if you're, if this girl's parents 
literally put these dolls on a barbecue pit and lit them on fire, which it's, maybe they did. What a dramatic and traumatic way to go about something like this. I mean, all of these things are such fear tactics. It's fear. Oh, such fear. It's so much behavior control through fear. It's Uh coercive control through this. If this, then this will happen. If you don't obey, then this, whatever publication, anybody that's listening, that's an XJW. This is a serious call to action. If you know the source of the birds plucking out people's eyeballs, children's program. I don't know if it was a video cartoon or like a printout in a wake magazine or in watchtower or something in like five different interviews with grown up survivors in about their forties. They all vividly recall a very specific image. They'll, they'll be like, Oh yeah, they told us it was Armageddon. And I was really afraid, especially, you know, they, they showed that picture where everybody's eyes were getting plucked out by the birds. And they told me that my worldly friends, that would happen to them. And then in a totally different interview from years later, someone around that same age is like, yeah. And then once I saw the birds plucking people's eyes out. Mm. So what was that? Because why did you show that to children? And it fucked them up. It caused this massive amount of fear and anxiety in these little kids that they have to unwind four decades later. Well, that's what they want. They want you to, to live in a state of fear and anxiety because then they can control you. I think for kids, especially, uh, visual, looking at something visual really sticks with you. And yeah. if you see something that traumatic, it's, it's such a young age, then yeah, it's going to yeah. last. And you're going to have to unpack that when you're you're able to hopefully finally step away from this and get some sort of a life back. Thank you very much, Cindy, for sharing that. And uh, uh, I'm sorry about your My Little Pony dolls. It sounds so frivolous you know what i mean but it isn't there's certain things like that that are so sacred when you're so little and this the visual of her cutting her model of ponies wrecked me because my nieces love unicorns Mm -hmm. and i was like why is this image making me cry so much and then i really had to think about it because i just i just saw my nieces they're they're six and eight i just saw them and so it seems frivolous but i'm sorry that happened cindy it's not frivolous at all no it's not and yeah it's not just the image for me of like Ella doing something like this, but the emotional heartache that that child feels of like, I don't want to be doing this, but I have to, or I'm going to die. And these are my little friends that, you know, I I love sending off for them something so small that, yeah, it doesn't have to be this huge thing to be taken away, but every everything is something demonic or uh, you Fear. know worldly it's all unless it comes from the jw doctrine specifically you're you're, ha- you're not to have nothing to do with it right and and you should be afraid of it because it will and yeah. you'll become possessed and you know yada yada so yeah cindy it, i want you to send us your address Please email I'm us. Sending, I'm sending you some My Little Ponies. Hell yeah. I'll send you a badass unicorn. Buy all the My and, and that goes for everybody. Right. Treat your didn't inner child. get these things when they were little. Spoil your own kids, but also spoil yourself. Go out and if you weren't allowed to have My Little Ponies, buy every fucking little My Little Pony you see from now on. Whatever yeah. it is that helps you heal that inner child. Celebrating Christmases. Getting a Christmas treat. Like even if it seems like silly or whatever stuff like that like 
I think little things like that can really help like your mental well-being when you're yeah. when you're thinking back on all of the things that were taken from you as a kid. For sure, taking care of your inner child. Mhm. Sinisterhood will be right back. Well, this last one is from Chandler and the subject line is Jehovah's Witness account, my coming out. Hey guys, I appreciate you taking the time to cover this topic. Jehovah's Witnesses seem to always be an enigma to people, and it is somewhat rare to find those who have left. So it has been both jarring and comforting for me to hear the stories of others. In my time as a Jehovah's Witness, I experienced numerous traumas and abuse, but for the sake of my own mental health and what could be helpful in sharing, I will just share my coming out with you. I was one of Jehovah's Witnesses until I was 16 years old. My parents divorced when I was three, and I was raised by my mother. The entirety of her family was, and still is, in the truth, in a deep-rooted capacity. My grandfather serves as a circuit overseer. My uncle and brother-in-law are elders in their congregations. My sister, mother, grandmother, aunts, and cousins are also pioneers in the door-to-door ministry. I was in the ministry as young as seven years old, was baptized at the age of 13, and a pioneer in the ministry at 14, meaning I would log approximately 50 to 70 hours in the door-to-door ministry a month. I was taught that the world is a rapidly decaying place, and you should make the utmost effort to detach yourself from it as much as possible, i.e. not pursuing higher education, not participating in politics, not seeking secular success, not having relationships with those, not having relationships with those outside of the truth. The teaching is that we are living in the last days, and since any given day could be Armageddon, you must treat each day as if it is the end. It was difficult to navigate being young and wanting to absorb the world around me when I had heard so much about the dangers of the world around me and the impending doom. We were discouraged from questioning the ruling of the governing body or teachings, but my discomfort with myself was growing the more I was learning. I did not feel aligned with the publications being studied and what was taught. As I transitioned into high school, I started to see the bubble I was living in. I began questioning the organization, the origins and practices. I did not understand how we could possibly have the answers to life and no one else did. And beyond that, why were we supposed to hate those who did not believe what we did? I made the decision to leave the truth after I could no longer deny that I was in fact having homosexual thoughts using that phrase semi-ironically. It was something that I had struggled with and hated myself for, for several years. After all, we believed that homosexuality was an affliction. It was not real. It was not authentic. It was the devil's persuasion. November 26, 2013, I tried to bring this up to my mom. I was met with countless prayers and phone calls to all of my family pleading for me pleading for me to resist all thoughts and urges, ew. Unfortunately for them, that did not persuade a change of heart for me. My mom presented me with the ultimatum of going to live with my father several states away, who is gay and not a Jehovah's Witness, or withdraw from school and go live with my grandparents. 36 hours later, I was on a plane bound to Dallas to live with my dad. November 28th will mark 10 years since I've seen my mother or any of her family. In the time following my move, I initially had elders and my mother calling every week. After a few months, the calls from elders swindled, as did the calls from my mom. 
Eventually, there was no more communication. It was a brutal separation that left me carrying doubt, guilt, and shame. Isolation is a tactic used by Jehovah's Witnesses in an attempt to make you so desperate for connection with family and friends that you return. Because of how abrupt my move was, I never had a meeting with the elders to go through the official disfellowshipping process. However, my family has stood by their decision to cease all communication with me due to my, quote, lifestyle choices. The past decade has been a blur, but it has been a great gift. It's frightening to look back and realize how bizarre it all is. As a kid, it was all I knew, and it seemed like I was the normal one. That made me laugh. There's been an equal amount of unlearning as there has been learning. I finally learned who I am. Well, I will always be learning and that I can trust myself and the choices I make with my free will. I have found a career and field I excel in. And most importantly, I do not have shame in my queerness, how the world sees me, or who I choose to love. The fullness and freedom I now live feels like a dream. I am so happy I was able to make the first decision of many for myself, and tremendously grateful for the chosen family I have made along this journey. For anyone who is currently one of Jehovah's Witnesses and looking to remove themselves, I encourage you to build your support system beforehand. For a Jehovah's Witness specifically looking to come out in regards to gender or sexuality, please prioritize your safety in that process. Thank you again for telling our stories. Warmly, Chandler. Well, Chandler, I am so proud of you for doing what you knew you needed to do. And it's, um, it's your family's loss, like so many others that we have. This is just one of dozens of emails from people that have uh, come out and then their family and friends completely shun them and disown them. Or uh, we hear from those that knew someone that didn't come out because they were so afraid of what would happen and instead chose to complete suicide. So it's, again, any any organization that tells you who you want to love is not okay or who you are is not okay can go fuck themselves because who at the end of the day, you're the only person you have left to answer to is yourself. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. Jehovah or no Jehovah, like you're, you're, you have to, you get one life and do you want to spend it feeling like uh, ashamed and disgusted because of some man-made religion told you you should, or do you want to, like Chandler said, try and build a support system, do it safely, try and find a way out and be able to live a happy and truthful life to yourself. I hope for all it's the latter. I know it is often easier said than done, but I hope that some of these stories of people getting out and finding hope on the other side will inspire others that maybe have been thinking about the same thing. No, definitely. Because it's, you have to give up so much, you know, the connection with your family, especially like Chandler's family being so ingrained, like high up in the organization and everybody in the family. So that choice to live your full, free, happiest self comes at such a great cost. But I I think it all the time that what are you going to do with your one wild and precious life, right? Mm -hmm. You only get one time is so finite and so, so precious. And to the sentence, the fullness and freedom I now live feels like a dream. Mm -hmm. I hope that for everybody. It just 
It makes me sad because, and I'm sure it makes all of us sad, because we know there are people that are actively currently not living that. And for everybody, everybody deserves to wake up and say, I'm so happy. My life feels like a dream. And I'm so happy for you, Chandler. I'm I'm so happy. And that they should be able to wake up next to the person that they want to wake up to and love the person that they want to wake up to and be the person that they know they are and this month happens to be suicide prevention month. So uh, it's a good time now to say if, if you or anyone, you know, are experiencing suicidal thoughts, suicidal ideation, please know help is available. You can text 988 to receive support during a mental health crisis. The 988 lifeline also provides 24 seven free and confidential support for people in distress prevention and crisis resources for you or your loved ones, and best practices for professionals in the United States. Yeah, 988, I'm glad they made it so easy that, you mm-hmm. know, if they're, it's so hard to try to Google something or remember yeah. what to look at, and it's just, that's it, that feeling, that overwhelming. It's like, you don't have to do that because life can be a dream. There is hope. There is a way out. There is, you know, and just reminding people and sharing these eight success stories, you know, of people making their way out. Now it's not a hundred percent success because you still got family in, you still have stuff to unpack and unwind, but just that one first breath of freedom, everybody mm-hmm. deserves that. I got a text today because uh, I don't know what I'm on, but it was telling me it's the end of suicide prevention month. Te- if, if you tell three friends about the 988 lifeline and then they tell three friends, like if we can all tell three friends, like this is in the event you need this, this is available, then that will really help spread the word about such an important resource for people. And I love it. It's call or text. So that's that might be helpful if you're in a place you can't call. The fact that you can do that too is, uh, so tell everybody, 988. Yes, yes. Well, thank you to everybody that sent in your stories and to those that weren't read today as well. We hear you and see you and yours have have also impacted us. And all of you are doing such good work in telling your truth, living your truth, sharing your stories. We've seen so many powerful uh, things come from this and people feel inspired and heard. So if you think... No one, no one's on your side. I promise you that's not true. You've at least got two people, but you got us at least <laughs> way more. I mean, it, I've gone back and forth with a lot of people. Like if I've heard that this is a good resource, you know, and we'll link in our, in our show notes for this resources for, if you are an XJW or currently you want to, you want to be an XJW. The XJW subreddit has some like physically in, mentally out people who physically still have to go to the meetings, but mentally they want to weigh out. And there's resources for that of like Chandler said, setting yourself up for Mm -hmm. a support network and planning exit strategies and things like that. So, and ways to do that, you know, in a safe way before family, friends, elders, whoever might find out. Absolutely. And if you go, well, I don't really think it's a cult. If you have to have a safety and exit plan, yes, it is. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know how anyone can really look at this and think it's it's not a cult. And then you have to kind of extrapolate like this. These are extreme things being said, but there's a lot of religions out there that are saying the exact same things. 
just in a little more palatable way, you just know, a little lighter. less, little less shocking, little lighter way, but it's still just as damaging. I mean, it can't be, someone yeah, mentioned Catholicism. Yeah. If it can, yeah. Any, anytime religion, that's what Paris was saying. It's particularly insidious to take these because we do live in a pretty predominantly Judeo Christian society. So using these phrases and sort of systems that everybody's familiar with to manipulate and abuse people it you know the people that are being abused are like oh well i have to suffer because it's god so then Mm -hmm. it's like you're taking a system that has some suffering built in and using that to manipulate people and because we all say oh merry christmas you know that christian christ it's all part of it it can uh pretty quickly religious abuse and you rob people of spirituality which everybody's entitled to yeah Well, again, thank you to everybody that sent in your stories. And if anyone else has a story for Freaky Friday, maybe you've encountered Bigfoot, you've seen a UFO, you had a brush with true crime, or you felt the presence of an otherworldly being, you can send them in at sinisterhood.com slash Freaky Friday. If you like our free episodes, you'll love our Patreon bonus content. You can join for free to see what we're up to next or dive into over 500 hours of bonus content. We've had several recent mini-sodes posted. We've had a recent live Q&A, our quarterly live stream that was completely unhinged. If you you need a laugh after this episode, (laughs) go check out that and it will give you a good laugh, I promise. For sure. (laughs) It's wheels off. You can also head to SinisterHood.com and click shop on the top banner to check out SinisterHood merch like t-shirts, mugs, totes, stickers, and even clothes for your kiddos. And don't miss our all new Keep It Creepy crew neck with a very cute ghosty on it. Head to SinisterHood.com and click shop on the top banner. While you're there, you can also review the show, follow us on socials, and check out the episode description for more fun like topic-based playlists and links to live show tickets. We have Obsessed Fest coming up at the end of October, October 20th through 22nd. We'll be doing a show there along with a lot of fantastic other true crime podcasts. So you can go to sinisterhood.com slash live show for more information or obsessedfest.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod. Like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. You can find us on YouTube and TikTok at Sinisterhood Podcast. And we're on Cameo. Uh, just search up Sinisterhood and you can book us to do a custom video shout out for somebody's birthday, anniversary, holidays coming up, happy Halloween, anything like that. Let us know what message you'd like us to deliver to the Sinisterhood fan in your life. And we would be very happy to do so. It's one of our favorite things to do. Cameo.com slash Sinisterhood. Christy, where are you at online? I am on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace and TikTok at Christy or GTFO. Heather? I'm online at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Sinner.